Hey guys, before we get into this week's show, I wanted to let y'all know that my entire family has switched our cell phone service over to Patriot, and it has been such a great move for us. Patriot Mobile is America's only conservative cell phone company. They're all about freedom, the Constitution, giving you the power to support conservative organizations. It's right up our alley. It's like having a superpower for your beliefs. Patriot Mobile uses the same reliable networks as the big carriers, so you'll get great service wherever you go. We did not see a change in our service, and actually it's gotten better. Their customer service is incredible. You call and you immediately get someone on the phone to help you with something. They've got plans to fit every budget from unlimited talk and text to data-packed options for all your streaming needs. And when you make the switch to Patriot Mobile, they will buy out your current contract up to $500 a line. So fellow freedom-loving friends, it is time to make the change. Head over to PatriotMobile.com today. Use the code Blake for 10% off your bill. That's PatriotMobile.com, code Blake. Thanks for listening. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Krabby Christian, a Misfit Media Network production. I am your host and resident Krabby Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Clint, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. It is so good to be here, Blake. Thanks for having me on. This is an exciting conversation because we are speaking to Christians who by and large are in churches. Yeah. And sometimes I think we struggle with what our part in that is. How do we come under leadership? How do we join with leadership? How do we ensure that these churches that we are invested in and care about like do well and do the work that we've been set out to do? And you wrote a book that is incredible. It's meant to help these churches mind the gap. And I love like all of your analogies are so great. (laughs) Your book is Mind the Gap, leading your church to agility and effectiveness in any environment. Tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to writing the book. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thanks so much for your kind comments. So I come from a higher education and nonprofit leadership background. So I've got this master's in educational psychology, and my doctoral research was in process improvement and group dynamics. And so I really get excited. I'm just fascinated by what motivates people and what doesn't motivate them. There's, there's stuff that some organizations do, and there's certain ideas that really connect with people and others that don't. And so I spent a lot of time in research universities and Christian universities looking at that and going deep in that. And over time, God took me deeper and deeper into working with churches and ministries. And he led me ultimately to being ordained as a pastor working in the local church, working with hundreds of churches through parachurch ministry, and ultimately to what I'm doing now, which is consulting ministry, where I get to go all over the country working with churches to help them really engage and connect more deeply and to be more effective 
at reaching people for Jesus. And wow, we live in such a fast paced world, don't we? I mean, it is such a changing world. It's a turbulent world. And in this crazy world, churches have had struggles with adapting. Mm. People who call themselves followers of Jesus have said, hey, gosh, we know that people need the hope of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus more than ever before. But in many ways, it's more complex than Mm -hmm. ever before to reach them. We, We all say we want to make disciples who make disciples, but there are gaps between what the church is intending and what is actually happening. So my prayer is that this book will help churches and followers of Jesus close those gaps to be more effective. I love that you have the psychological scientific background. Because I do think a lot of the conversations that are being had around the church and even adapting, they're very emotional. Yeah. And that's not to say that emotions, like emotions are important. Emotions help drive us. But I do think sometimes the church, like we're lacking in, like, show me the data. Show me the data that what we're doing is working. We as Christians tend to like completely put all data aside and forsake that for like this feels right. That's great. And like, listen to the Holy Spirit, but also numbers are really helpful. (laughs) Yeah. It's mind, heart, soul, strength, right? It's all of that. And so many times we lean more toward heart, which is critical. You're totally right. We have to be sensitive to the spirit. We have to lean into that. And yet at the same time, if we miss connecting deeply, into saying, hey, God has given certain approaches that let us really know and think deeply about certain questions to to know where our people are or where they aren't. Mm -hmm. And I think so many times, Blake, people in the church lead by assumption. Mm -hmm. They have the best intentions. They hear a few stories here, a few stories there, and we celebrate God for those stories of life change. But what if that is not indicative of the whole? What what if that's just a tiny minority and church leaders are basing their effectiveness on the 5 or 10% they're hearing from versus the 90 or 95% that they're not? Yeah. How are we judging our effectiveness and how are we evaluating that? So you have a metaphor that you give in Mind the Gap and it an extended metaphor with the London Underground Railway System. And I personally am so excited to hear about it. I love an analogy. (laughs) Like I love a metaphor. And then you have the whole mind the gap thing. It's perfect. I love it. (laughs) So we were chatting earlier and you have not yet been. I know. It's so sad. You have to go. London is a a great, great city. For those of your listeners who haven't been, uh, the London Underground is the largest and oldest subway system in the world. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's really cool when you, when you get into the inner workings of it and how the system works. But one of the cool things is when you go into a lot of the stations, you will see emblazoned upon the platform or signs or, and even booming over the loudspeakers, this warning, mind the gap. And so it's this idea, it's an old enough system where some of these trains are actually coming into the platform on curves and, and some are a little bit higher or lower you know, than the platform. And so you've really got to be careful. You've got to pay attention to these gaps. And so it's kind of cool because as I study this more, I found that the structure of this really does relate to the structure of church ministry and even people who are followers of Jesus. And so in, in the underground, you have stations, 
trains, and destinations. And as we look at these, what you have to think about is there's certain stations that have to be there, connect people to the right trains on their journey to get to the right destinations. And so, so let's think about this for a second. So if we look at this from a spiritual standpoint, think of destinations like the growing fruit that's in our lives. It, you know, if we're followers of Jesus, we would pray that we would lean into the things and that over time, God would grow those sensitivities in our life, yeah. those disciplines in our life, right? Those intentionalities in our relationships and the way we respond and relate to people and engage, right, you know, a, a, along this, this journey. Well, the trains then represent those ongoing things that we're doing that get us toward those destinations. Yeah. Maybe those are personal habits that we begin to get involved in that help those things grow. Maybe those are things that a church is doing in an ongoing way. And so I like to call those constants. You know, so a church is doing certain things ongoing. Yeah. But the big idea here is you can't get people on those trains unless you have the right stations. Mm -hmm. Every station is not going to lead you to the right train for you on your journey. Right. And so think of stations like waypoints. Think of those as the places that point you to the right train in your life and whether or not it's going to get you on the right train to your life. So those could be short-term things that a church might do. You know, like in your church, Blake, does your church do short-term stuff sometimes, events or other kind of things? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, especially around like Easter, Christmas, we do like a spring mission project, summer mission project, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, love it. It, it could be stuff like that. It could be maybe uh, restorative ministries, maybe, you know, someone someone gets engaged in something for a period of time because it's a special need, but it's intended to ramp them into a different place ongoing yeah. in their life. Yeah. And so, you know, if we think about this, I mean, think about your, if you have kids, think about your kids, think about, you know, how you relate to other people, you know, the things that grab our attention in a short-term way are not the same things that ramp us into something ongoing mm. in our life, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But they could be. <laughs> and, and what I would argue is that in church life, they should be. Our stations should seamlessly ramp people into certain trains that they need. The problem comes when you don't know where the gaps are between them, when they don't connect well. Yeah. And so, so the two big questions for churches and, and believers who make up churches is, hey, if we're honest, can we answer these, these two questions? Do our stations actually connect people to our trains? Mm. And do our trains actually take people to the intended destinations? So what are the stations? Like what are examples of those that you've seen in churches? Yeah, there, you know, there are so many different examples of these like there, you know, I could give you an example of a church that really dug deeply into what they called community bridges. And what they wanted to do was to design events. In fact, they had this whole big community center that they designed. They had all these service projects. And they said, we're going to partner with other entities in the community. And uh, some of those were not even faith-based, right? They were like-minded, yeah. but they're saying, hey, we want to connect in just deeply in real life so that our people in the church can more easily build relationships. And so they, they, they did this whole community center. They, they started up all these projects and these service projects, and they were going great, it seemed, because it was in kind of a mid-size Midwest city. And within the first year, they had like 100,000 people coming through the doors of this community center at the church who they never would have reached before. 
Now, I, I know that sounds like a gigantic number, but it's about to get really personal here in a second. So, so hang with me. So they were all excited and they're celebrating what God is doing and people are engaged and involved. Then I, I went to this church and I helped them dig more deeply into how it was impacting the lives of the people in the church. Mm-hmm. And what they found was that people were excited. People were actually even going to some of these short-term events. People were giving to this, but an extremely low percentage of them were actually translating it into their lives in the way they personally were engaging with other people, especially people who weren't from a faith background. And so the core leaders at this church were just beside themselves. I mean, they were just, oh my gosh, what is missing here? So what they did was they said, hey, the problem is with a station here. The problem is that our people aren't clear enough about what we're ramping them toward. Right. So so it gets really practical. So what they did was they said, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to redefine community bridges. And we're going to turn the definition into not a service project that you do (laughs) temporarily, but based on the relationships with those who are non-believers or unchurched or de-churched or whatever terms you want to use and how you're engaging with them. And so so then what they started on was this whole new practice of saying all of us in the church are going to kind of name a bold faith move at least once a year, maybe more than that, in personal spiritual growth, in personal spiritual influence. We're going to share those with one another. And then we're going to use community bridges as the things you're doing to help you actually foster those and encourage those and nurture those. And so it was just a little turn of the dial that then ultimately made a dramatic difference in the trains that people ultimately began getting on. What I was thinking when you were talking about it earlier is so often these shifts are not like, you don't have to build entire ministries. You don't have to like remake the wheel. And you talked about this earlier. It's your intention and that you're being like really clear about where you're sending people. Yeah. You have to know where they are though. Right. You have to really know where they are to be able to make those decisions. And that's that's what most churches don't have a way to do. And what Mind the Gap really helps leaders of churches and, and, and those who make up those churches have these conversations to define it much more clearly. Obviously, we don't want to give, want to give away the whole book. I want people, especially people <laughs> who you know can implement this stuff to get Mind the Gap. But as someone who is in a church, is that does that come down to surveys or town hall meetings? Like, how do you know where your people are? How do pastors keep a beat on that? I love the way you think because you you run right to it. I love that about you, Blake. <laughs> right? No one has ever told you that, right? Never. <laughs> no, never, never, never. And it's a, so here's so let me give you some examples. So yeah, you're you're totally right on. There are ways to do things like surveys where people are self-reporting that aren't legalistic or weird yeah. that are very relational. There's also ways to train lay leaders. And kind of as we talked about a little bit earlier, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, you are a leader in your yeah, church. Even exactly. if you don't consider yourself to be one, God is calling you to be a catalyst. It, it's the body of Christ, right? Right. We make up his church. And so so here's kind of how this how this works. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get baseline awareness through the use of surveys throughout the entire congregation, kind of foster this, this place of, of great openness. And maybe it's conviction, but these are anonymous kind of kind of surveys, confidential surveys, but it's preparing every person to kind of lean into them in a way where they're just totally honest about, hey, 
how's my life marked right now in certain areas and, and, and maybe not in other areas, just right now. Yeah. And that gives the church a good baseline for where people are. But then you also need ongoing awareness by engaging in many more two-way conversations with people who are on the ground. The lay leaders, maybe they're, they're volunteering in ministries. Maybe yeah. they're leading group ministries where they're with people every week or two, right? Maybe they're, they're, they're more actively involved in other things where, where they're right there on the ground. What happens, though, is so many churches equip people to be volunteers, good volunteers, kind of in a ministry over here. And that ministry works hard and tries to run well, but they don't equip them to communicate back on a regular, consistent basis what's working, what's not, what are the barriers that people are facing, what, what, what's really worked. And so then they can make real-time adjustments as they go. And very few churches have that kind of intentionality. So, hey, I've got some examples of destinations that I think would make this yeah. come to life in a more personal way. Is, can I share some of those? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's kind of fun. So sometimes churches will structure these in a way that may be very different from other churches because we want them to be totally customized to the context and, and the community and the people and, and where the church happens to be called. But here's just a couple of examples. So here's one that relates to spiritual sensitivity. One church phrased a destination example, I find myself becoming more and more sensitive to the Spirit's prompting throughout my day. Mm. Does that does that really characterize my life always or often? Or if I'm honest, am I just so busy, yeah. <laughs> right? As I'm, and a lot of these, I've got to be careful. I'll be like, like, my goodness, all of us, you know, have to be intentional. What about I know the character traits of God well enough to discern between the Spirit's voice and other things I might hear or think? Yeah. How about that? You know, yeah. in a world where we're constantly bombarded by ideas. Thirty million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. And if you're among them, I need you to know that you're not alone and that there's a solution you can trust to deliver some results. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement. It supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the root causes of thinning. Nutrafol has three physician-formulated formulas using natural, drug-free, medical-grade ingredients so you can get the most reliable results. And in a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code Blake to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer they offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Blake. Have you ever wished that you could spend less time planning, shopping, and cooking for the family and more time actually with them? Because same. So with easy, time-saving breakfasts and family dinners to kid-approved lunches and snacks, HelloFresh has what it takes to keep everyone, including you, happy and satisfied. HelloFresh takes the stress out of mealtime by delivering fresh ingredients and easy recipes right to your door. So this fall, skip that extra trip to the grocery store and have dinner ready in no time with America's number one meal kit. I love to use these meal kits on the nights that my girls have extracurriculars like cheer, 
or gym practice so that I can still feed my family a healthy dinner that's not fast food, even when I'm running the roads. It's so fast and easy, I can even get my husband to do it for me. So go to HelloFresh.com slash 50confessions and use the code 50confessions for 50% off plus 15% off for the next two months. That's HelloFresh.com slash 50confessions and use the code 50confessions for 50% off and 15% off for the next two months. Let's get back to the show. What about when it comes to other people? That when someone wrongs me, or maybe they offend me, I find myself responding first with curiosity and compassion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, hey, you, you talk about this all the time, right? I mean, it's just, especially in your world. I mean, you <laughs> right. know, sometimes, right? Sometimes just like, okay. I don't like what this person said. Am I going to have to, right? Am I going to, yeah. you know, and, and I appreciate you've said before, gosh, I've got to take that and pray. God, is there some, is there some element of truth in here or is there not? What about I can name a recent situation in my family where I've offered an apology or sought reconciliation or one church kind of went in a direction, a, a very family oriented church. And they had a lot of these related to what kinds of spiritual conversations you were having with your spouse or with mm -hmm. your kids and what the barriers were. You know, yeah. either having those or not. Like, like one church said, hey, I've had a spiritual conversation with my kids this week that helps me understand more about how they think and something they're struggling with that I didn't know before. Yeah. All of these are so real. Like they're yes. taking it below the surface level of like, am I reading my Bible? Am I... Praying. Like those, it's not that those things aren't important, but you're talking about fruit. Yeah. So if you structure this in such a way where it, it's, it's often or always a rhythm of your life to be paying attention to them and growing in them, that represents success on the part of what the church is doing or not doing. Right. And so have you ever been in a church? You know, we don't even have to use your current church, but have you ever been in a church or maybe a church setting? where there's something and you either attend it or you're a part of it for a while. And then it sort of feels like it trails off and it's like, you know, I'm not really sure how that was connecting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Constantly. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, can. I mean, sometimes, you know, as I'm having these conversations, it's, it's kind of, I, I, and you can tell I kind of nerd out about this stuff, but, but you get into these and some people will say, you know, sometimes it feels like I'm on a train that is just going in circles. Yeah. Because I think, so many churches are leading with emotion and with heart. And like, this feels like a good idea right now. And there's no forethought into where is this going? What is the intent? Even like, what are, what are we wanting to accomplish with this? It's just like, this seems like a good idea. And we saw other churches do it. So we're just going to do it. Oh, it drives me bananas. <laughs> I, I talk, I talk, I talk about this a lot. It's, we, because we live in an age where it's so easy to find out what's going on in other places, we tend to jump from thing to thing. Yeah. And I consistently coach pastors and leaders and those in the church, man, we have to stop chasing models that work someplace else. And instead, we have to embrace outcomes that work in our context where we are. It doesn't mean we can't learn best practices. It doesn't mean there aren't great ideas out there that we share and all that kind of stuff. But the problem comes when you just think, well, let's try this. Yeah. Well, that worked a little bit. So maybe we do it again. Maybe we don't. Let's jump to this. Or, ooh, we heard about this. Let's try that. Yeah. And what happens, 
we, we don't realize it, but our people get so distracted and they get exhausted. Yes. It makes ministry so tiring. Our church staffs get tired. Our core leaders get tired and burned out. And it's because, once again, we don't have clarity on what our discipleship pathway really is, what we're called to lead people toward. What are those destinations? Then we can start connecting the trains and stations that work best based on that. So I have a kind of spicy question. Go for it. What do you think about or what's your response to people who feel like churches shouldn't be run by like businesses, that there shouldn't be like data and, you know, observation and surveys that we should just go back to like the Acts house church and that that's what Jesus did. So that's what we should do. Oh, I, I love that question. Here's the interesting thing. You know, as I studied educational psychology and process improvement, I found the same principles that work in organizations and group dynamics are littered throughout the Bible. Absolutely. <laughs> right. It's a shocker. I yeah. Mean, like, <laughs> oh, we didn't works, come up with this. <laughs> oh, you know, the stuff that works is really biblical. And so, so, so here's what I did. So I started digging deeper and I started paying attention. And we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament both, we see so many parables that Jesus shared deal with these cool ancient occupations of things like shepherding and farming and building and fishing, right? We keep right. going. And so vineyards, I mean, all the rest. And so, you know, you start digging into these and you say, okay, hmm, what is the Bible trying to teach us about uh -huh. these things? And so what's cool is when you overlay them and you start to see overlap between them. And so can I share some of these with you? Absolutely. Really, really fun. You know, as you look at each of these, you see that there's patterned activity yeah. in every single one of them that's emphasized. You see that they require keen observation, not just a quick look, not just a quick like, <laughs> yes. right? They require keen observation. They require the ability to adapt quickly to circumstances. Every single one of them, you have to recognize and then adapt quickly. You have to be agile. They also involve this cool handing down of practical knowledge, especially in the ancient world. It required shepherds to train and to raise up other shepherds. It required right. builders to do the same, right? You could, you could keep going with this. And so it's this cool mentoring and it's this cool kind of one disciple to another kind of idea. And, and then I think a big piece of it is that they embody a system, not systems. So we were starting to talk earlier about this, but a lot of churches might have a ministry over here that runs its you know, has kind of its own system and kind of tries to run it really well. And then another ministry over there, and it's got its own system, tries to run that. And they do talk a little bit. And they say, sure, we're going for this overall mission of reaching people for Jesus. Right. But the reality is when you get under the hood with it, they're really not connecting them in a deep way. And so once again, how does God describe himself? What images does he use? Look at the stars. Look at the human body. Look at the way he is wired this world in this beautiful interdependent system, not independent, but interdependent system. Yeah. And so I just think churches have gotten away from what the Bible actually teaches us about the importance of this interdependence, which is where the stations and trains and destinations metaphor helps us connect them. I think another thing about parables, and I love that that was kind of where you where you went with that, is that the parables of that time and you were talking about shepherds and builders and 
farmers and vineyards that met people where they were then. Right. And so that is what the church was actively doing in those times was meeting people where they were. And yes, there are still shepherds, I'm sure. And there are still farmers and there are still vineyards. But is that the overarching life experience of church members? No. And so like going back to the parables in the simplest way is, are we meeting people where they are in 2023? And are we bringing our processes and our systems with us? Absolutely. And that is where there's so much power. It's, there's so much power. Let me share a heartbreaking example, just another example of, of something uh, where this became evident in a church. Uh, I was talking with someone who had been in a young married group, most of the people in this group. Actually, I think she said all the people in this group were young married couples, and they had been doing life together, and they were engaged, and, you know, and they were doing lots of stuff apart from the church and in the church and volunteering for stuff. And it came to a point where all of a sudden, the majority of people in this group, over half of the couples in this group ended up divorcing. Mm. And they were shocked by this. They had no idea it was going on. And what they learned was that the people in the group thought, well, we're in the church. What's going to help us is to volunteer more. And so couple after couple said, well, we're just going to sign up for more. We're going to volunteer for more stuff. We're going to do more stuff. We're going to do this and that. that surely that will help us. Yeah. And it was not at all the right station or the right mentality. Now, keep in mind, church leaders had no clue this was happening. People in the group had no idea this was happening because they didn't have clear enough destinations and a sense of how to talk about them and how to have this kind of two-way communication. I call it a checkup loop Yeah, that you can train leaders in. It's, it's kind of this, this cool rhythm of a way to connect back with not just leaders of the church, but also people that you're engaged with in the church and relationships that you have to know if, hey, is this stuff working? How do we test things? How do we try things? How do we go deeper based on where people really are? Right. Have that. It brings joy. It brings freedom. It brings so much more life so that it doesn't feel like we're just managing events. It feels like we're really making disciples. What are some signs that you've seen that what a church is doing is working? Like, what are some signs that the trains are like making it to their stations and bringing people to destinations. Yeah. Let's build on that other example that I gave you, because I think it's a really fun one. The one of Community Bridges that mm -hmm. we were talking about a little bit earlier, and they, they started to define the bold faith moves. And so let me give you some examples of how cool it, it worked its way out. What they realized is as people began to say, hey, these are going to be my bold faith moves you know, in, in the coming year. And then they gave them more equipping and more encouragement and more examples. What happened was people started coming up with all of this really cool stuff. Yeah. So one guy started a motorcycle riding club. And so he loved, he, he loved, he loved to ride his Harleys. And so he started going around and he started to find anyone he could. He didn't care who they were. <laughs> it was so funny. He was like, uh, you know, finding people and say, we're just going to ride, you know, on Saturdays. That and we're going to so talk awesome. about, and we're going to talk about life. And uh, so it became this really cool, practical uh, community bridge. Then there was another young couple, and they were they were recently out of college. They were newlyweds, you know, no kids yet. And they said, you know, we really love independent movies, like only independent films. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's probably a lot of your listeners who love independent flicks. So he said, so, so they said, okay, we're gonna we're just gonna start inviting other 
couples into our apartment. You know, they still live not far from the campus and all this. And and we're going to start inviting them and just watching these movies and then talking about some life example. And so in no time, they had like 20 or 30. I mean, their living room was packed and they were the only believers yes. there, but they were all there. They were eating together. They were talking about real life. They were. And, and so do you see how just a turn of the dial yeah. and a type of different communication because the church knew what was connecting and what wasn't based on what the destinations they were going for were at the time that they could begin to foster these kinds of things. And so, you know, there was example after example after example. And here's another fun thing. Some of your listeners right now, when I give those examples, are absolutely terrified because maybe they're a bit more introverted. Maybe they're a bit more, you know, I've got to clean my house or, you know, not that I care, but you know, maybe, no, I don't want to have people that often. I know I'm supposed to, you know, or, <laughs> you know, or whatever, right? And so the church said, hey, we realize people come at this from different angles. So we're also going to have what they called shared community bridges. And these were things that the church helped to sponsor and, and nurture that were ongoing instead of feeling like shorter term service projects. Yeah. It was the kind of thing where you can engage with others in a hobby or a, or a craft or a needs-based area of compassion or something else, not where it was one and done, right? but where you saw the same people over and over. And so you didn't have to come up with it yourself or host it yourself. They ended up with like a you know, hundred of these and they're still growing. Yeah. And so more and more people, as God is moving, as the spirit is moving, are sharing their stories, are engaging much more personally, and are doing it in a way that fits their wiring. Yeah. And then the church says, hey, we're not going to stop there. We're going to keep talking. We're going to keep figuring out based on data where our people are. We're going to do these cool relational surveys. We're going to do our checkup loops. And then we're going to continue to tweak things as we go to provide more and more things that people need in real time as they need it. Well, and I love with that story that it was, they had an idea and it was such a good idea and they did it and they put it into action and then were willing to like adapt. And you said that word earlier and I was like, I think that that is such a big part of this conversation is a willingness to adapt that they got input. And then like, now you imagine what the kind of the offshoots of that community center are. And it's, you probably can't even name all of them. Right. Because it's making such an impact and it's connected because they were willing to like listen to an outside voice and say, oh, yes, we could do this better and then put those things into practice. And that's humility. It is. It's humility and it's just being real. You know, so many churches would be willing to settle and say, hey, look at all of the great service projects we're doing for our right. community. And the enemy loves it. Oh my goodness. Okay. And, and I'm just going to say it, but I think sometimes the enemy loves it to make us really busy at doing religious stuff because it can get us distracted from doing the stuff that transforms lives, yes. ourselves included. And so sometimes it's just a turn of the dial. Uh, let me give you another example. This was another church that really focused big time on family. And what they realized was that lots of young families, especially with young kids. And you've got girls, right? Yes. Like uh, like I do. Yeah. Love yes. that. Love that. And so they they said, hey, how do we help our parents begin to think about the way they're going to talk with their kids? You know, we, we can have certain things that we do and sometimes we send stuff home, but it sort of feels stop and start and stop and start. Right. And so ultimately what they did was they encouraged families to say, hey, take your last name. 
and use it as kind of an acrostic and say there's going to be an element of each of the letters in your last name that you say, these are going to kind of be our family destinations. Yeah. And so the beauty is, is what that church could do is was they could say, Hey, remember those other examples I gave you, they could say, Hey, our family has created our own family destinations using an acrostic with our last name. Hey, are you there? Are you not? Are you growing? Are you having conversations every week? And so like a G might be, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be grace filled in how we respond to people. Yeah. We're, we're going to, res- we're going to think of, the person and what they're dealing with. And, and we're going to assume the best in people. Yeah. Love that idea. That's what they mean by that. Then you can take another letter and it could mean something else. And so yeah. what it becomes is sort of, you're, you're kind of creating your own little family manifesto. Right. Like that, I was like, this is like a little family creed, but it's easy yeah. to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it starts to take you down this road of conversation. And then what the church does, oh, it's so fun. What the church does then is they say our job is to get the stories from these families and figure out what they're then struggling with to have conversations about those things about. And and then they can equip them and resource them in those specific areas because they know versus staying in generalities. That's amazing. I love that. You've given so many just like practical boots on the ground ways that families and churches can make an impact. And I think it's so helpful because I think a lot of people love their churches and want to be involved and want to see them making an impact, but often just kind of like feel powerless, feel like they don't have a voice or an avenue. I think this gives people a lot of like really understandable, easy, like easy to bite off next steps to get involved and also like encourage their church leadership in the process. Absolutely. And it is you know, you're right. The, the the book is geared toward leaders of churches to help them begin to think, how do, how do we start to have conversations in a biblical, relational way about these destinations? And so many of your listeners might be on a church staff. Maybe some of them are pastors or, or pastors' spouses, right? And many of them might be volunteers in their church yeah. or lay oh, leaders. Yeah. But even as we talked about before, if you don't consider yourself a leader that's the enemy wanting to keep you away from what God wants to do through you. Exactly. And so once again, you are called, God is calling you. If you are listening to this, God is calling you to be a catalyst in your world every day, in your church. And so I was talking with someone the other day on a a different podcast, and they were saying, man, I'm going to take this back and I'm going to talk with the leader team that I serve with. I'm going to get this book and we're going to do it together. Another one said, I'm going to go and read through this with my pastor. I'm going to get it for my pastor, one of the pastors that, that he works with, another one works with, and and let's read it together and let's pray. Yeah. Let's pray. We've got to get more practical and more personal with our destinations, those I statements that fit our context in our church and where our people are, if we're going to have any hope to go deeper in doing the right things to reach them. That's amazing. I think it's going to make such an impact. I know this episode like met people where they are and gave them some tools. Tell people where they can keep up with you online. I know you're not like a big social media person. <laughs> yeah, no, go to uh, go to the website. The website is go mind the gap and it's mind with a D go mind the gap.com. You can find out more about me and the book. Hey, order the book. If you're listening to this, order this book, put yourself into a posture of thinking about leadership in the church. Put yourself in that role 
Because what if God is actually stirring something? What if he desires something more for you than you could ask or think, than you could ask or imagine, as Ephesians tells us? What, what if there's something there? What if there's people you know who are leaders in your church uh, who could benefit from some of these ideas? So, so buy the book. Go on Amazon. Uh, you can search Clint Grider, Mind the Gap. It's Clint Grider, C-L-I-N-T, Grider with a D, G-R-I-D-E-R. And uh, buy the book. Go get it and, and just pray and let's see what God does. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right, see you next week.